but once again, though, let's get back on subject here. Mike Valeni is your father figure. No, he is not. I will be your father. You love Valenti. Like, remember you were swaggerjacking some of his, his bits. That's who you get your swag off of. You're not a father figure. Let us be your sports father figure on our podcast with swag on SoundCloud and iTunes at WXUTs after further review. Welcome back to 88.3 WXUTs after further review. Back here with David, the man of God, Harris here on the phone lines. We'll talk a little bit about NBA basketball. And uh, you just got done listening to Frank Vaster and a couple of his segments. Make sure you always check out our segments on our podcast on iTunes. I mean, that way, so you can have it in your pocket or on SoundCloud. You can download the SoundCloud app as well and listen to us. But two ways to listen to us. If you like the show, give us a review. If you don't like it, we'll just keep on moving and don't uh, listen to us anymore and you go by the way on itunes you can subscribe to us actually on soundcloud you can subscribe to us as well but we're gonna get into the nba playoffs um some pretty decent games uh david we kind of did a recap of the first round uh last week now we're getting into the actual uh second round here david your thoughts on that yeah so i think it's a series that kind of a lot of people have been Buying as the marquee series for kind of out of the four, the Nets in the box. On Thursday night, Ray would kind of take one at home. Basically, thanks to, you know, having to play two on three and two on five at some point because it was the Giannis and Chris Middleton show. And we're finally seeing kind of some semblance like, hey, similar to how the 76ers needed the reserves to really kind of actually show off for once and kind of provide some help to the star players. We saw that again in Milwaukee. I I understand why kind of people in Milwaukee and kind of the larger NBA media are looking for Giannis to take over. But at some point we have to realize Giannis can't this is similar to what we saw with the majority of the season and even last year in the playoffs. Like he can't do this by himself, and it goes back to roster construction. Like, knowing the Nets have two superstars, third of James Harden, you know, wants to play every once in a while, but, like, they have some good depth. They have a strong front six, you know, seven, seven, eight-man rotation. The Bucks don't, and so I don't know if this is coming back to Coming into the season, Milwaukee was like, hey, this is all in. We're trying to get Giannis to stay with the Supermax. Like, this this isn't helping. And I don't know if kind of I agree with everyone that says Giannis needs to do more and just put the team on his back and say, please, everyone, if this does need to be where he can't do it by himself and so he needs to hope that the other members of the starting five, like, show up. I mean, if you have a first quarter in an NBA playoff essentially semi-final game and you score 30 points and it's 15 for Giannis, 15 for Chris Milton. Like that, that doesn't win you a lot of games in the playoffs, much less really in the regular season. I just don't know what the Bucks can do 
to get over this hurdle of outside of these top two, who else we got? Mm, yeah, that, that's a valid point. Yes. It's it's a, it's a, it's a, it's, a, it's an interesting season or series, I would say the least, especially with Harden being out. Um, some things with the Bucks is that um, they've gotten better, obviously, from last season. But the the whole going one four flat and having Giannis go to the basket that's that's not going to work against this this team. I, I really think you're going to have to have a team effort against the Nets because it's just Kyrie and Durant are just too dominant. I mean, they're just, they just are. And then Blake Griffin is coming in and he's filling his role really great. So the Bucks are going to really have to play a lot of team ball. If you're just going to go just to Giannis to try to save you and this, nah, because Durant or Kyrie could just match him by themselves. And just that basically cancels him out. Yeah. I mean, Kind of after the game, Drew Holiday was talking about, you know, this being a grit and grind kind of defensive performance. Mm-hmm. And, like, needing to – like, you can't do that with two scores that can – if you know Kevin Durant can go off and he can drop 60 in game four and just, you know, put this series to bed. Kyrie can drop a 40-point 40, you know, 40 performance. Like, I understand kind of the mentality after that game where, you know, 86-83, like we're watching the you – know, playoffs in 97 like like that's like that's not sustainable for the long term and I think there's a lot a lot of questions with this team ball like again 30 points in the first quarter but then you only score 56 the final three like that's that that raises a lot of questions and I again I this team ball you, you obviously you want to have team performances in the playoffs but Trying to stifle, well, one getting off to a hot start again like that, it can be done, but not likely. Right. Then you're trying to stifle two great scores again, and then hope that the rest of your role players kind of—it's just a lot of ifs and circumstances that makes me worry that the Bucks might go down three-one when they play uh, tomorrow. And if it goes three one, I they're not winning three in a row. Well, they're if it was not. if the series was three oh, the series everyone said the series was gonna be over. Everyone knew that was gonna happen. So yeah, the the Bucks are in a lot of trouble. They need to win. I mean, they need to win this game to at least tie it up. Then going back to Brooklyn, uh but I don't really see it happening. I just think that Brooklyn's just a little bit too much too strong for the for the Bucks and and, and you know, they they beat Miami and really slaughtered them, but they're getting into a buzzsaw with, with Brooklyn. And the fact that Brooklyn having those veterans, knowing that, you know, you need to rise to the top during the playoffs. It looks like they're starting to click and get their chemistry going. Uh, uh, it looks like uh, the Bucks just got the short end of the stick on the side of the, of that bracket. Um, I, it sucks for Budenholzer because I don't think he's a bad coach, but I think he's more of a regular season coach. I don't think in the playoffs, the playoffs are so difficult. You're playing a series and everything just gets scouted up and down with your player personnel. Some people say that players just need to go out there and execute because everybody knows everything about you. But the thing about it is also too, though, you got to really tighten up on defense and, 
Um, th- th- that's something I give the buck or not the Bucks, but the Nets credit because Mike D'Antoni being on the on the sidelines, I get real nervous with them because he doesn't like to, you know, preach the defensive side of the ball. But the Nets, when they need to clamp down and get a stop, they get a stop when they need it. Uh, but yeah, I, I just think it's just this is too much for the Bucks, and you know, the, tomorrow or I believe they do play Sunday, right? Or is it? Yeah, they need they need that win. They need it. If not, it's over because they're going to go back to Brooklyn up three one. Maybe the Bucks can sneak a win in there. I doubt it, but it, it, if they go down three one, it's going to need to be done in five or six. Yeah, and another game that that was a must win situation. Um, I would say Philadelphia beating Atlanta. Like I understand the series was tied one one, and so kind of it's always kind of figuring out that home court. But I really think just that. The way Atlanta plays, you know that they can get hot, and really seeing kind of Joel Embiid really be the focal point of the offense. But and this is a long thing. If you've listened to me over the show, just kind of my disdain for kind of people thinking that Ben Simmons is good. We are in the playoffs. This Who says game. that he's good? <laughs> no, there there are a lot of people that say that you know Ben Simmons is a quote unquote superstar. I say you know. He doesn't shoot. He hasn't shot since, you know, he's a, third grade. He's an all-star. I wouldn't say superstar. Um, I, would even, I would even say maybe a star, but he doesn't work on his game. And the thing about it is people are shocked by this. Well, how are you shocked? Like, I love, I've listened to Colin Cowherd. He loved Ben Simmons coming out. But, but how are you shocked? I mean, remember, in college, he played at LSU, and they didn't even make the NCAA tournament. So you already yeah. tell right there he's not he he plays basketball, but he doesn't have that killer. He's not a Kobe ish type of player, and, and people and, and people will tell you it, around the league he doesn't really work on it. He plays basketball. He 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 gets to the gym, does what he has to do within that two hour two and a half hours, and he's out. He ain't getting in extra shots or anything like that. You know, and, and social media also is, is, is funny too. Like you know, I, I know during the summer last year, or, or you know, certain outlets were showing him making jump shots and saying, "Oh, he doesn't work on his game." But come on, let's be honest. If he was really working on it, his shot would look better. And let's also be honest, he'd be making those free throws when he needed to make them. You you you, you can't show me. I, I hate it about. That's another thing I hate about social media. Don't be showing me stuff in a pickup game where the D is lax and there's really nothing on the line here. There's a lot of difference between a pickup game and the playoffs. And you just he can't make shots. And he's been doing that his his whole career. There's a weakness that you glaring weakness that you have, and you have not improved on it in the last two to three years. That says a lot about you. But it just is not a bad player. I think he's talented. He's he's fun to watch. He's got some great other attributes. But um, I think the downfall for the Sixers if they don't win a championship is is going to come down to that. You can't. You, you just that's, that's not acceptable. You got to be able to hit down some jumpers, especially in a league now where the jump shot is very important. Yeah, and that's kind of kind of my thing. My talking point from this game is that at halftime. You know, kind of we again. We're game three of the NBA NBA semifinals. We don't call it that, but this is the semifinals of the Eastern Conference. <laughs> if your head coach and the star of the player Joel Embiid are having to tell you to be aggressive, and we're in the playoffs, like that—that's a problem. That's between the ears. Like I understand that 
I know the media kind of going through all the reports saying, you know, being too passive, leading him to take, you know, Joe be telling him, hey, you need to attack. There's a lot. Like, if your teammates need to show you that this late in the season and you don't recognize that, oh, I have a lot of space. I should not be passive. Like, I don't know what to tell you. That's, I got to want to say that's, you know, basketball 101. But that's something that you hear in middle school and high school. Hey, be aggressive. Hey, if you see space, attack the basket. Mm-hmm. Like, that's not something that, as a professional, you should be reminded at halftime of a playoff game. And, like, again, the Sixers got some help from the, their bench. But, again, it's. Joel Embiid being kind of the quote-unquote superstar, can't, like, can Ben Simmons live up to it? And, like, he showed moments, and like, in that second half, like, he showed, like, he was, like, a, a good basketball player, distributing the ball, taking shots, being aggressive. In the first half, he looked like he was straight trash. And so it's <laughs> like, if we're having this tale of two halves, one, we've already talked about how, you know, Philadelphia fans were looking at this like, hey, we could have gotten you for James, you know, gotten James Harden for you. And, you know, you know, if this were fixed. But, but yeah, this Philadelphia team, they're still, even though they won, there's still questions because I still think Atlanta's the better team. Uh, yeah. I mean, Atlanta got a, the, the game one victory, which I thought was really impressive by Trey Young. Um, he pretty much had 25 points at the half and only ended up with like 35. But um, like I said, Philadelphia kind of got their bearing straight. I think the problem with Atlanta is, for one, they die by the three. They live by the three, die by the three. I think Atlanta looked really good against the Knicks because the Knicks played like straight trash. I mean, they were they were awful, just straight awful. Um. Atlanta's very simple, and I and I think once again in the playoffs that's going to be easy to figure out. I mean, all they really do, like game one, I it was working. I liked that what they were doing their game plan, but I mean, basically the double screens that <laughs> Trey Young was coming off of. I'm thinking, do they have any other plays that the to, to, to open up some of the other shooters? I mean, I, I know sometimes in basketball just keep it simple, stupid, but. It, it, it to me, it's almost a little too simple. Where it's like, okay, now that we dig in and we get you know some film on you, review it, see what you know what we need to clean up. And I'm kind of a, that was a, what I was afraid of is that you know at the higher levels you got to have a couple plays in your back pocket, and I don't I don't really think Nate McMillan and them have that. Now that is because because of um. It's just three-point shooting and, you know, throwing alleys up to Clint Capella here and there in, in Collins, Jason Collins or Collins as well. Um, but I, I think the Hawks do get beat by the Sixers. I just think just a little too simplistic for me, for my taste. And once you get in the playoffs, I think the 76ers figured it out. Game one, they came in. You know, it's usually teams filling each other out like in a boxing match, going at it. And I think once the Sixers caught a loss, got a good uppercut. You know, Hawks got an uppercut on them, but they probably regrouped and said, "Okay, we figured these guys out." And that's why they've snagged the next two games. And I think this series will go to the Sixers 
uh, probably in six. I think with Trey, how Trey Young is and how the Hawks are kind of feisty, they'll maybe get one more game. But I, I think the 76ers take this in six and possibly five. I don't, I don't know if the Hawks will win another game. But since the Hawks are feisty, I'll give them one more game. But, yeah, I think the Sixers are win this series. They'll move on. So it'll possibly be Sixers and Nets in the Eastern Conference Finals. Yeah, and I think that's all, of course, determined on if well and Beast remains healthy. That's still the million-dollar kind of question because they're still True. doing all kinds of rehab, making sure. Because if Embiid goes out, this Sixers team is done. Like, yeah, yeah, that that is true. He is the heart and soul of the team. That is true. Uh, so transitioning over to the West, another big man that literally the heart and soul of the team, the MVP of the sleeve, Nikola Jokic, like. At, at this point, he's showing you why he's the MVP. Like, he's out there literally by himself at times. And it's like, when Devin Booker goes off, he's hard to stop. When Chris Paul, you know, in this fault in the youth. Yeah, it's like, now we're really, now the world is seeing how we were talking throughout the rest of the season, mm-hmm. or throughout the regular season, you know, when Jamal Murray goes down, Jokic putting this team on his back. Like, he's showing. Like Jim, I think this also highlights the importance of having Jamal Murray in this lineup. Because looking, just looking at the starting backcourt for the Denver Nuggets, Facundo Campazzo and Austin River. It is June 2021. That's a starting backcourt in a playoff game in the NBA. Like, Well, Jamal Murray's out, so. Yeah. That's a, so, that's yeah, a big just, loss. <laughs> but, yeah, just the Suns, just, they have too much firepower. And it's not just even Devin Burke and Chris Paul. They have the depth. They have the ability to kind of when when Devin Booker needs a breather, bring in either Payne or Craig. When Paul needs a breather, bring in Payne. You know, they have, they have the ability to kind of have that rotation. For the Nuggets, they're just trying to have people that can score. Like Monty Morris, you know, came off the bench, second top, you know, second leading scorer for the team with 21 points in 30 minutes. Like Will Barton came off the bench, fourth leading scorer with 14. Like at at this point, Denver is just trying to hold on, and hopefully they don't get swept. But like I, if this goes five, that's 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 case scenario for Denver. No, because obviously get swept. I think they're bringing the broom. Yeah, yeah, they're getting swept. It, it, it's just it's it, <laughs> too much. I watched the game on um, the replay right after work. Too much. Nah, this is this is going to be you know a sweeper. Uh, so um, you know, I feel I I think Denver would have really been well with Jamal Murray, but obviously he's not there. But uh, I will say this, Jokic. The Suns have figured out the Nuggets. What's killing them is the pick and roll coverage. Jokic is not a very good in pick and roll uh, cover, and he's been he's been exposed on Twitter. And there's people that just won't believe it, which it's unfortunate. But I watched the game, and and I watched. I saw Devin in the lab. He has a a, a Twitter account. He was showing the clips, and I I I. You know, sometimes in games, you know, I have the DVR, so I can rewind stuff. And, and I'm really a hoop junkie like that. And I'm like, man. Even in drop coverage, Jokic is just is is is, is it's struggling. Now you got to understand though, too. Chris Paul is probably one of the best point guards ever in the pick and roll, so they are just tearing them apart. So I know the NBA doesn't like to do it, but 
I hope I, if I watch the next game, if they don't want to get swept, they're going to have to change their pick and roll coverage. They're just they're just going to have to either either you're going to have to blitz the screen, which I know a lot of NBA teams don't want to do because then you have you might give up the three point shot. A lot of them go to drop coverage because they don't they're afraid of the point guard getting the ball out and that second reversal to an open shooter in the corner, which is a high percentage analytically shot. I I get it, but. Then again, though, when you got a guy like Chris Paul that comes off that pick and roll and he's snaking and and, and basically walling off uh, the guy that's guarding him that's trying to get around the pick and roll, and then he can just sauce up, yoke it. <laughs> it it's like pick your poison, which you got to do. So um, the, for the Nuggets, I believe just in that scenario, they might have to change, just give different looks. Guys like... Chris Paul, ultimate point guard, just like an ultimate quarterback, whether it's like Rodgers or, or or Tom Brady, you got to give different looks. I mean, you, your chances of winning are low already, but if you want to enhance your chances, you got to give the guy different looks, and I think that's the first thing they need to look at. And, you know, um, Mr. Malone over there, the, 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 the coach, is trying to say that, oh, my guys didn't have fight, and they, you know, they, you know, well, yeah, they underachieved. But I think, for one, Phoenix is the better team. But just looking at it, that pick-and-roll coverage, either you're going to have to do a, either a soft hedge, hard hedge, or blitz, get that ball out of Chris Paul's hands. And everyone's, and if you realize, I mean, in the Lakers series, I mean, with the bad shoulder and he sat out, the Suns did struggle. So you, you might want to do something like that because, like I said, if you do, if you let Chris Paul just carve you up in the pick and roll, it's going to be over. And, and like I said, the series is going to be over. And I think just the lack of adjustments from the Nuggets, it's been kind of bad just in that department. And like I said, overall dealing with D-Book and Chris Paul. But if, like I said, if you let Chris Paul just be a magician in that pick and roll, you're never going to have a chance to win, especially with Devin Booker in the game with them as well. So it, 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 it looks ugly for Denver. Yeah, and kind of also it doesn't help that kind of um, Aaron Gordon, their star acquisition at the trade deadline, he just non-existent. Like, well, it, it's basically I think believe it's his first playoff. I don't think he really made the play. If he well, he did. If he did make the playoffs, where Orlando was in the first round, which was like he didn't really, go deep in the playoffs. No, it wasn't very intense. And now you're in the second, and you can tell he hasn't had a lot of playoff experience. You, you can you just look at him; he hasn't had a lot of playoff experience. And like I said, when you get to the playoffs, everything changes. Is more in depth scouting. In the regular season, you're going from city to city, whatever. You can have different games and blow up. But then there's some guys, and you see it in the playoffs, where we're going to take away a lot of your strengths. Let's see what you can do. Or we see you got a defensive weakness. We're going to start attacking it. We're going to see whether or not your coaching staff has adjustments for it. Or if they make that adjustment, then maybe it stirs another problem, and, and and that's what it is. He's just he's just overwhelmed. You can tell Aaron Gordon is just overwhelmed in this playoff series. So yeah, yeah, yeah. And then the final series of the four, another team that feels overwhelmed: uh, Clip City, Chip City, the Utah Jazz taking commanding two nothing lead. Um, not going back to L.A. Game 3 Saturday night. I don't think the Clippers can do it again. Like, it took some magic and, you know, 
pulling magic sprinkles out of their rear end mm-hmm. to beat Dallas. Right. I, Utah's a different monster. I think Donovan Mitchell is just another beast. And, I mean, good luck to the Clippers. You want to hopefully that they don't get swept. Mm-hmm. But home field, you know, now they get home court. Maybe that rallies the troops a little bit, but... From what I've seen so far, it doesn't look like the Clippers will win. And it's not that Clippers offensively aren't, you know, putting up buckets because we know the big three are going to get their numbers. Well, really the big two, and Reggie Jackson came out of leap in nowhere mm-hmm. to really kind of supplant and be that star, or to be that third scoring option for Kawhi and Paul George. But yeah, I just think too much from that or too much from Utah, and and th- there's the reason why they were the top seed. Like they have what it takes. Oh yeah, was there any doubt about why they're the, they're the top seed? <laughs> I mean, I haven't heard any. I haven't seen any, but you know, it's that whole. It's you know, it's Utah. Who's Utah? Super, you know. Uh, people are really seeing Utah that aren't the diehard basketball fans. And they're like, oh, basketball in Utah? Huh. Who would have thought of that? Because, you know, people just think of it as, you know, Mormons and Salt Lake City. Well, Utah's always always gotten that disrespect. But if you do know, realize this. (laughs) Utah, when they played the Bulls in those two finals, I believe the 1997 one has been the highest ever rated NBA finals ever watched with Utah. I mean, there's a good storyline with Utah, but you're right. Western Conference teams never really get respect. To be honest with you, a a lot of players who are superstars that play on Western Conference teams don't get a lot of respect because think about it. Their games don't start till 1030. So most people on the East Coast, they watch the first game. They go to bed because they got to get to work the next day. Yeah, but everyone talks about that East Coast bias. Right. I mean, it's just rightfully true because, you know, everything is based out of New York. You know, motherships in Bristol. Yeah. Well, they got the mothership out on the West Coast, too. Eh. Yes, yeah, in LA's kind of falling off a little bit, but that's a whole other topic. Mm. But yeah. Right. But yeah, I, I don't know if it just means Kawhi and Paul George like play like they did game six against Dallas, but. They're going to need those those role players to really show up. Um, I, I don't know what more that we can say about that. Like we know, we know Utah's going to show up. It's, can the Lakers show up now that they're coming back to LA? If they can't, to me, another quick series. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I think that Utah's got this series. The, the, the enigma about the Clippers. And I and you and you don't know if you've noticed this. A lot of times, you take the personality of your superstar, and I guess the superstar on the Clippers team would be um, Kawhi Leonard, and he's a hard worker, and he, but he's kind of a enigma, kind of a quirky, weird guy, and that's how the Clippers have been the last couple of years. Just head scratching, strange. Like on paper, they got the talent, but they can't produce. Everyone tried to blame Doc Rivers, as usual. And someone always has to blame the coach when the, when the talent doesn't execute on the floor. 
Now Doc Rivers is gone, and you're kind of having the same thing where you're just struggling in the playoffs. And some people say, well, Kawhi won in in Toronto. Well, I think, for one, Toronto, you got to understand, though, Toronto had already gotten to the Eastern Conference Finals a few times. They just couldn't get past LeBron. And, and two, he was the superstar piece to get them over the hump. But they already had a strong culture already in, in Toronto. And they already had really strong leadership with Kyle Lowry there. And I think his leadership, Kyle Lowry, plus the superstar qualities of Kawhi was a good mix to help Toronto win. Now, he's in he's in L.A., he's the main guy. I always ask myself when I watch the game, where's the leadership? I mean, you, you, you just don't know where it's coming from, you know. It, it, it's just a whole hum just showing up type of thing I come in and do my job but you know sometimes you've seen it in Kobe you've seen it in Jordan those guys the best player on the team on the team but they elevate the other players on their team not to mention other players know when I get out here I got to play my best where with Kawhi it's just like okay we're just out here hooping which is fine that's just his personality but it kind of affects us affects Paul George where I think when Paul George was like in Oklahoma City with uh, Russell Westbrook he kind of elevated his game a little bit I mean he's not playoff P to be honest with you I've always thought ever since the injury Paul George has been kind of a decent NBA player I mean he was he was going to accelerate up to superstardom but I think after that injury it kind of brought him down to being all-star-ish but like I said, this this Clippers team, there there's something to miss. There's something off. Something wrong with the recipe, as I like to say. And it, it could all go to Kawhi, where basically just how his personality is is kind of dominant. You got you gotta have a you gotta have a person that with Kawhi has a dominant personality. That doesn't mean they gotta be screaming and yelling at people. But, you know, it's like, yo, let's go. We, you know, we in the playoffs. We need we need a couple stops. We need to get some buckets. And you don't see that with the Clippers. It's kind of like just going through the motions. Yeah, and just kind of thinking about, like you said, with Lowry and Toronto, but even kind of thinking about Kawhi and San Antonio. Like Kawhi, well, yeah. kind of Kawhi's low-key, but that, I mean, that was Popovich. He was just like, look, man. Well, Popovich like, and then Duncan and... Tony Parker, Tony Parker and Ginobili, Manu. they were that solid rock for foundation. Now, obviously, when they got older in that 2014 NBA Finals, he stepped up. But, you know, what was the leadership role? I mean, he didn't have to be the leader. All you had to do was just show up and play ball. And that's what how Kawhi has been in his career. He just shows up and plays ball while everyone else have kind of been the catalysts and the leaders of the locker room. Now, you're in L.A. and you're the main guy, main guy. He just wants to show up and play ball, but it's like sometimes you can't always just do that if you're going to be the main guy. They feed off of that. That's what the guys do. They feed off of that. And if he's just there just to show up and play ball, then some guys are going to say, well, I just showed up. I did what I was supposed to do. But did you give that little extra that you were supposed to do? Because remember, we're in the playoffs. You got to do a little bit more than what you're assigned for. And that's what, if you notice, every championship team, when you get to the playoffs, Somebody steps up and does more than what they've been doing in the regular season. And it can just be in a number of things that they do. And I just think that that's kind of how the Clippers are. They just kind of just show up. And I'll be curious, kind of going back to L.A., having the home court, having the home fans, whoever's there, 
Well, and if you notice, like I said, with, with Kawhi, what made me kind of mad in that Dallas series, when your back is up against the wall, now you come you come show up. Now you're playing with des- desperation, and you, you can't do that. You got to play like that so you don't get in that situation. And you know what I'm saying? Like, now that yeah. your back's on the wall and you're facing an elimination game, okay, now you come out and you just, you know, you show some, you know, and I, like I said, he's a laid-back kind of guy. But you kind of notice when, even with laid-back guys, you can see that aggressiveness, like, man, I ain't losing a day. And you don't see that with Kawhi a lot all the time. And it's like, you know, dude, you, gotta, you know you know what's on what's what's on the line here. You know, the Clippers, it's always this. They'll say it's always a Lakers town. You're the only team in that arena that doesn't have a banner. They even mentioned uh, Taylor Swift had a banner before the Clippers in the Staples Center. I mean, come on. You know, the Lakers are knocked out of the playoffs. This is your chance to really maybe turn some heads around and turn the culture around in L.A. where people will really respect and like the Clippers. But if you're just going out there like, eh, I'm going to just do me and do my job, then, you know, there's some stuff on the line here that Kawhi maybe doesn't care or he doesn't realize that he can make a big impact for that Clippers organization if they can keep going further in the playoffs. Yeah, and I, and I just don't know kind of with his personality if he kind of, like you said, that mentality of, okay, now, now you know, must-win game. All right, now I guess no one else is going to leave. I guess I have to leave. But, like, who's going to be that leader leading up to that? And people are like, no, why? It's got to be you. Like, when you're up, you got to leave. When you're down, you got to leave. When your back is up against the wall, you have to be the leader. And I don't know if personality-wise, Kawhi fits that leadership kind of role. And so I don't know if that, like you tell Patrick Beverly, who we know is a great or grimy veteran, you know, he'll be in your face. He'll be a vocal leader. We don't know if he needs to assume that or, I mean, I guess maybe Marcus Morris because, you know, Morris twin, you know, he's ready to fight anybody. But, yeah, it's got to be, if you're going to be the face, the multi-million dollar kind of, we brought you in to be the centerpiece to build around. Kawhi, you have to be the leader. And I just don't know how many times you have to tell Kawhi that before it, before it sits in or steps in. And he's like, oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I can be a leader. Right. That's Without, true. But it has to be like an organic thing. But, yeah. Yeah, I've been watching clips on here. I know I, I don't like to live in the social media of Denver and Phoenix. The series is over. They're going to get swept. I, I, I've i seen enough. <laughs> Pick and roll coverage is bad. Austin Rivers isn't a really good defender on Devin Booker. Aaron Gordon's getting co- cooked by Chris Paul. Yeah, this series, this is the reason why Denver's losing. The strategy's bad. You can't, you can't, you can't do drop coverage with DeAndre Ayton setting screens for Chris Paul. He's he's just roasting. Uh, Jokic, I think Jokic, great. He's an MVP because of his offense, but I think his second level defense, as far as a rim protector, is awful. And Phoenix has figured that out, and they're attacking him. And he knows that without Jamal Murray out there, he can't take as many chances. Maybe possibly to getting foul uh, prone situations where he can't be on the floor. So yeah, this series is over. I think Phoenix sweeps. I've seen enough. Yeah. So. 30 years in the making. Last time the Suns and Jazz played first round of the 91 playoffs. Well, Phoenix it's... and Utah, NBA, Washington Conference Finals. Ooh, the old heads are going to be like, yeah, I remember that. Hmm. Well, it's kind of ironic you brought that up because 30 years today, the Bulls won their first championship with MJ. June yeah. 12, 1991. 
So, you know, a little bit of history there for you, David. Wrap up this segment so we can get to the next one. All right, good basketball around. Hopefully we don't see, like, hopefully we don't see three sweeps, but now teams that are going home court, can you hold up? Hopefully we can get some decent basketball. And, yeah, hopefully another week we'll have the final. Well, well, no, at least one team in the conference finals for sure. Mm-hmm. Probably two. Right. Okay. Well, David, we'll take a quick commercial break coming up. I got to hear this about the for our last maybe 15 minutes of the show, what, why you don't like <laughs> what's going on with uh, um, I was about to say with the, the, uh, the U.S. men's national team. But before we do that, remember, always watch us on or you can watch us on our excuse me. You can always kind of hit that hit the cough button. Always watch us on our uh, feed on Facebook after further review sports show. We always have our live feed for you. Then also listen to us on SoundCloud and on iTunes. Make sure you subscribe to WXT's after further review. When we return, we talk a little national team soccer here on 88.3 WXUT.